Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. All right, brand new series today. The series is called Visual. It's about reflecting the beauty of Jesus to people. So before we go any further, I want you to take a look at this visual right here. Uh, Before I tell you anything about this drawing, we're going to make some observations together about it. But I'm going to ask you this. I want your feedback, okay? Once I talk about this, what's one word that you would use to describe this picture? Maybe it's a feeling, maybe it's an observation that you make, but let me just make some observations with you, and then I'm going to ask you, what's one word that that encapsulates this picture, right? So here's some observation. He's an older man, right? His eyes are closed, hands are folded, he's he's praying. Uh, There's a simple bench there. It's, It's probably in his house. It's not like this ornate prayer bench in a church or anything. It's very, it's simple. This guy's a common person. How do you know? His hands are worn. He wears this vest so his arms are free to move about and do work. There's clogs on his feet, which as a part of that day would be the shoe of a commoner. It's not a colorful picture. The guy's balding, if you can see that. I asked our staff about this picture last week, and someone said, he's Jewish. He has a yarmulke, right? Said, I think he's actually bald. And in pictures, wherever you see a place, particularly a spiritual picture where it's lighter, it kind of insinuates that God is doing something there. So I don't know if that's like a holy symbol over his head or if he's just bald. Under his knees... There's some lines there, and if you look very closely, the lines, instead of heading the same directions as the rest of the picture, they actually invert in different ways, which kind of gives you this sense when you look at that his knees are sinking into the ground, giving you the idea that maybe there's some weight, not necessarily to his girth, but some weight to who he is and what he's, he's doing. The tools the artists use, simple. I mean, it, it's raw, There's literally nothing else in the background of this. And if you look closely at the bottom of this drawing, there's a grid down there, a grid that helps the artist stay in in correct ratio, symbolizing that it's unfinished. This is an unrefined drawing. It's, It's just raw. He's alone with nothing else in the picture. So with all of those observations, my question to you is this. Give me one word that describes this picture. Just shout it out to me. Brokenness? What was that? Anguish. Okay, what else? Yeah. No, what was that? I didn't hear. Oh, sincere. I like it. Humility. Oh, all three of you said humility at the same time. Beautiful. What else? Faith. Humble. Needy. What was it? Pain? It's so interesting that some of you go, some of you are on the dark side. (laughs) Like, oh man, that's a a heavy picture. There's pain and desperation. And others of you are like, oh, there's faith there. And maybe maybe hope there. And um, 
I, I don't know if that says you know more about you than it does the picture. I don't know. But either way, you're not wrong. I think all of that is encapsulated in this picture. Let me tell you a little bit about this drawing. The title of it is Old Man Praying. It's by Vincent Van Gogh. It's from 1883. You know the story of Van Gogh's life? Uh, he was the son uh, of a Dutch Reformed pastor, and Van Gogh desperately wanted to be like his, his father. So he was given a post as a missionary in a poor mining town in Belgium. And Van Gogh really wanted to identify with the people. So he moved out of his place of luxury into a place of absolute poverty so he could identify with the miners. But the people of his church thought that that was, that was indecent and wrong. He got fired as a pastor. After that failed career, he began turning to art to start communicating kind of the needs of life, kind of the, the life of the poor and where God might intersect. Um, the truth is that Van Gogh, he actually had very little money at this point in his life. So most of the people that would pose for his drawings or paintings were poor peasants because that's all who would pose for him. But he drew their life and how their life might intersect with God. Van Gogh, uh, he needed to be tutored by a master artist. His name was Anton Mauve or Mauve. And he, he also fail, failed there as well. Because in the middle of his tutorship, he brought a woman into his home who was a prostitute. She was pregnant, also had a younger daughter. She was sick in the middle of winter and as an act of compassion brought her into his home. But his master tutor thought that brought shame on him. So he was fired from that apprenticeship as well. And it's been interesting over the years. Many people have written about Van Gogh's pursuit of God, his um, admiration for the simple person and their hope in God. Unfortunately, this Van Gogh had a lot of uh, severely psychotic episodes in his life, and he eventually shot himself in the chest and died two days later from it. When I look at this picture that he drew, to me it represents connection to God and it represents hope. Then um, if, if it does represent that, I think for Van Gogh, he admired it. He admired connection to God. He admired this hope. But I think I could be accurate in saying that he admired it, but he never found it. He never found that that piece. And it's interesting, in 2016, this drawing was estimated at about approximately the value of 300 pounds, but it ended up selling for over a million pounds, which is 1.3 million US dollars. My thought, I think it's because people today, they crave this simple, raw connection with God that's found in prayer. So we're starting this brand new series called uh, Visual, and it's about this, reflecting the beauty of Jesus. And each week we're going to do this. We're going to look at some kind of work of art. We're going to look at some kind of piece, whether it be ancient uh, or, or even a modern piece that helps us reflect on and think about the Christian life, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus. And so this is what we're going to do through this series. I want, I want you to just get this in your mind. I want us to see the visual so we can be the visual. All right. Say, see the visual. Be the visual. That's how we're going to break all of this up. So every week I'm going to show you something. I'm going to challenge you with this. How do you reflect the beauty of Jesus to the people around you? So here's what see the visual is. 
If you're taking notes, look in your notes there. It's this. It's about feeding your soul through your eyes. We feed our mind and we feed our soul through our eyes. Here's how. You know this. We consume images all the time. Images flicker through our brains at warp speed. For example, you're shopping online, right? How many images flicker through your head as you're scrolling through just shopping for one thing? Social media, movies, gaming, Snapchat, YouTube, Reels. I mean, all of it feeds our minds with images to the point that when you close your eyes, you can still see those images, can't you? And the truth is this, you no longer get to pick what you think about and what your mind sees because you've already chosen the images while you were awake or while you were looking at something. And so those images are now imprinted with you. So the concept is this, I want us to look at something that reminds us of the gospel, of God, of faith, of hope, of Jesus, so that we can feed our soul through our eyes. Are you with me on that? Question for you. Some of you, you do this, and maybe you are more artistic than others. If you have pieces of work that you know from someone famous or someone unknown, or maybe even you did it, um, if you have a piece of art like that, send me a picture. I'm going to try and incorporate it in in what we're doing in the next four to five weeks to come, okay? Um, So if you want to do that, feel free to. Here's the second part. If you're going to see the visual, the second is to be the visual by reflecting Jesus to people. So once we, um, once we feed our souls, I guarantee you this, God is gonna bring opportunities your way for you to reflect the beauty of Jesus to people. Jesus said it this way, you're the light of the world. And then he went on to say, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. That's where we're headed. Um, Here's what I want to do. Open your Bibles to John 14. Because there's a little section in there that begins in verse 12 that's a section about prayer. And when I look at Van Gogh's simple drawing that is in pencil, ink, and charcoal, I mean, just raw materials, no color to it, that picture reminds me of these verses. And it's in John 14. And Jesus, um, he just told his disciples that he's going to go away, that he's leaving. And they don't know that Jesus is going to the cross, even though three times he's told them, I'm going to die. Jesus knows he's going to the cross. But he's trying to tell them, listen, don't be anxious. Don't, don't be upset about this. It's actually a good thing that I'm going away. And this is where this starts. It starts in verse 12, and it doesn't start with prayer, but, but the, con- the concept of prayer comes at the end. But the beginning in verse 12 talks about Maybe a setup to what it means to pray. Let me read it to you. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So, Questions about prayer based off of this verse right here. Question number one is this, who can pray? Who can be the man kneeling at the bench? Are you qualified for that? Well, the answer is just this. It's anyone with faith in Jesus. He starts the text, whoever believes in me. That's what qualifies you to communicate with God. It's not just the pastor or the priest. It's the common person kneeling in their home 
on a bench that maybe their own hands have made. Prayer is a conversation with God, a connection with God available to you and me and everyone. And some of you might think, you know what? You don't know my life. You don't know where I've been and what I've done. You see, where you've been and what you've done all get forgiven when you're a person of faith. Whoever believes in me. So question, what does it mean to believe and have faith in Jesus? It means two things. It means that we believe in who Jesus is, his identity. And it also means believing in what it is that he's done for us. Who is he? His identity? He's the son of God. He is God himself who came from the father to what he's done, die on a cross for you and for me. To die on a cross as a payment for our sins that whoever believes in me might have this relationship with God now and for eternity. That's the gospel story. So question then, what should we pray about? Here's the answer. We should pray about carrying on Jesus's work. This is is what the text says. That person who believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. First qualification, better believe. The second is this, is uh, we have to be about what Jesus's work was about. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Um, Big question here. Do you see where it says greater things? Underline that. What does that mean? Greater things than what Jesus did? Guy walked on water. Guy changed water to wine. What does it mean? Uh, Commentators have spilt a lot of ink over this, and which means this, that it's not very clear. In the text. And so let me just say this. We can offer an educated guess is too light of a word, an educated answer to this and be 95% sure that one of these four answers I'm going to give you is probably right. So let me give you one of these four things. The thing that God is going to empower us to do is greater than what Jesus did because of this. Jesus was perfect. And God is going to use flawed people like you and me to carry on his work. That's what makes it greater. Jesus never fought with his brothers and sisters. He never had a bad day. He didn't, he didn't sin. He was sinless. I mean, he was God. And he did miracles. You're like, well, that's amazing. But listen, God's going to carry on his work through you. Wow, there's a miracle. Sorry, I don't have a low view of you. I have a low view of me, okay? Second thought about how this is greater. Um, see, when, when Jesus was on the earth walking around, God's power was actually limited to where Jesus was. So he would go into a town and do a miracle and, and help people, and, and that would be amazing, right? And then he told the 12, you're going to go out in my name, and now you're going to do the work. And then he empowered 72 people of his followers to go out and do the work, right? Mm, that's great, but you know what's greater? When Jesus goes to the Father, he sends us the Holy Spirit to live inside all of his people and he will empower every Christian, not some Christians, not some professional ministers, every single believer will empower them to change the world. That is greater than the limited area where Jesus was limited to. Think about that for a minute. Third way that this might be greater. Uh, It's greater because our works can actually bring salvation to someone. Think about those two miracles I mentioned Jesus did. Turned the water to wine. Walked on water. You know that in both those miracles, nobody got saved. (laughs) No one's eternity was changed. No one became a follower of Jesus or became a Christian or had their eternity go from hell to heaven because of those miracles. 
The greater thing that we get to do is be a part of reflecting the beauty of Jesus to others so that their eternity might be changed. Now, granted, Jesus was doing all that stuff pre-cross, right? But now we live on the other side of the cross, empowered by the Holy Spirit inside of us to change people's lives. That's greater. The problem that we have when we read this text is we, uh, we elevate sensationalism over change. Like Jesus turned water to wine. I want to do something sensational like that. What's greater, turning water to wine or helping somebody become a follower of Christ saved and their eternities changed, right? I know you want to do both, right? So who can pray? Anyone with faith in Jesus? What should we pray about? Carrying on the work of Jesus. What is the purpose of prayer? My next question. Simple. Bring glory to God by making Jesus known. That's the purpose of prayer. Now, there can be a lot of answers to this question. Let me give you a lot of answers here. Prayer is our connection with God. It's our way to hear from God. It can be so that you can be encouraged, right? Prayer changes us. We praise God and we thank him for who he is and what he's done, right? All of that. But in this text, it says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that for this purpose, for this reason, so that the father may be glorified in the son. So as we pray about making Jesus known, about carrying out the mission of saving people's lives through this forgiveness Jesus offered, that's how God's glorified. And that becomes the purpose of prayer. Come on, look at me. Honest confession. My prayers don't sound like that sometimes, do they? Yours don't either. God bless our day. Bless this meal we're about to eat. And depending on how unhealthy that food is, you're asking for a miracle. God, watch over us, protect us today, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Right, I mean, that's our prayer. What if our prayer was, was different? I mean, what if the purpose of our prayer sounded more like this, and I'm just gonna put a, a prayer up here for you. God, may the words of my mouth, the actions of my hands, And the thoughts of my mind, may they bring glory to you today by knowing Jesus more and making him known. There's a lot to digest there. But it's not really about me. It's not really about you. It comes back to the purpose of what prayer is and what the purpose of life is. It's about bringing glory to God. And that's so different than how our world operates Our world operates this way. You're at the center of your world. What will make you happy? You should do that. Really? That's not the gospel. It's not the Christian life. It's not, I mean, our whole world lives with themselves at the center. Say, well, what can I do to make me happy? How happy is our world? It's not. They're searching. When we put God at the center of our world and say, God, how, how can I... Make this purpose about you and your glory and not about me. Next question, what's the promise of prayer? The promise of prayer is this, Jesus will do it. What I mean by that is Jesus is going to answer your prayer. He says this, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, this verse, at this moment, like I just read to you that verse, okay? Those aren't my words. Those are actually words of Jesus to his disciples, accurately written down, passed on to us for 2,000 years. But those words make my spiritual abuse radar start tweaking out. Because this verse is pretty abused 
by some people. But just because some people mistakenly don't understand what it means and they try and use it the wrong way, I'll explain that in just a minute, doesn't mean we should back away from what this promises. Who answers the prayer? Yeah, this is one of those questions the pastor asks. The answer is either Jesus, God, the Bible, or the devil, okay? Who answers the prayer? Yeah, Jesus answers. Who's going to do it? If anything miraculous is going to take place, who's going to do it? It ain't you. And it's not me. In prayer, we don't demand. And in prayer, we don't command. We ask. And Jesus, in his wisdom and knowledge of all that is good, he is the one who answers. Now, it's interesting because what does it mean, like, if you ask in my name? Isn't that like the key? As long as you pray, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Is that like the key, the secret code for him to do what it is that you want him to do? There's a fantastic story in the book of Acts, chapter 19. It's so self-explanatory. Let me read it to you. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. There's the setting of the story. They would say, quote, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And then they tell us who these people were. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, they were doing this. One day, and here's the story, one day the evil spirit answered them. The evil spirit says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible and probably says something not good about me, but they thought that they had power just by like saying Jesus' name. What it doesn't say is that they had relationship with Jesus that they had faith in Jesus, that they were followers of Jesus. They just wanted Jesus's name to be this secret sauce for a power that they had. When we pray in Jesus's name, we pray by faith. It means you're a follower of him. You've put your hope in him for your eternal life. You have this relationship with God through Jesus. And we're praying about what Jesus wants done and here's the truth and the promise. When our prayers align with what Jesus wants done, who will do it? Jesus is going to do it. So I, I don't want you to trust me on this, but I'll prove it to you. There's actually three other places related right in the book of John right here that give the exact same promise. I put them in your notes. You can read them on your own, but it just reiterates over and over again. Jesus says, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How do you get around verses like that? You, you don't, you embrace them. There's a promise there. But you gotta be a follower of Jesus. You got to be looking to give him glory, not yourself glory, and asking him, God, what is it that you're doing in my world and how can I pray for those things? And he says this, I'll do things when they fall in line with what it is that my plan is about. So with that said, do you see the hope in the power in praying? If you look back at this old man praying, here's what I see. I see hope. 
I see the potential power of Jesus in this man's words, who isn't just kneeling in prayer. To me, when I look at this man, I see a man whose not knees are just bowed in prayer, but whose life is bowed in submission to Jesus. He's no longer a common man. He's not a poor man. He's not a simple man. He's a powerful man. I think he's powerful because he's in prayer to a powerful savior. Do you see the visual here? Maybe the world will be different because of this man's prayers. But maybe he will be different because of his his prayers. He'll be empowered to get off his knees and reflect the beauty of Jesus to his world. I mean, do you see the visual? I'm hoping that when you close your eyes tonight, that this image comes to mind. I hope that tomorrow morning when you get up and you open your Bible and you start talking to God, that this picture has scarred you for life in such a good way. So that's about seeing the visual. So how can we, how can we be the visual? I am very aware of this, that Jesus said these words, when you pray, Don't be like those uh, hypocrites, those Pharisees, those guys who stand up front and they pray these big flowing prayers to impress other people. Jesus says this, go into your closet and pray in secret and what you do in secret will be rewarded by God. So we don't look at prayer as something to be flashy and impress other people about. But question, we we talked about this verse a little earlier. Tyler brought this up, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork or his masterpiece or his image created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When we pray, God's equipping you and God's empowering you to have encounters that can change people's lives. Last Sunday, I was in the grocery store And I could not find what I was looking for. And about the third time I was walking up the same aisle, this man was there and he looked to be about in his late 50s, early 60s. And he walked up to me and he gently asked me, how old are you? That's just a weird lead-in question, right? I mean, ladies, he's probably not going to ask a lady, hey, how old are you? But he asked me. And so I was like, all right, I'm playing along. 52. And he says, you inspired me today because at your age, it looks like you still work out. I was like, I can't tell this story in church. It sounds like way too self-serving, right? And then as I thought about it, I was like, this is like a backhanded compliment. Yeah, old dude like you? Like, yeah, maybe you lift a weight once a week. I was impressed. I'm like, Okay, uh, you know, the funny part about this story is um, a couple days before that, I sprained my back. And so um, I was walking, limping, like through the grocery store, and maybe he mistook that for some kind of swagger I had. Whatever it was, it started this conversation. I found out his name is Jesse. We'll call him Jesse because that's his name. He goes on to tell me, about the PTSD he has because of his time serving in Iraq. He told me about the death of his dad just a year ago. He told me about a car wreck that injured his wife that miraculously she was saved from it. And and he said this, he goes, I've just struggled. I'm kind of stuck. And like, I was just inspired by seeing you just go, you know what? 
if that old guy can do it, <laughs> maybe I can too. I swear I think he's older than me though, right? And so I took the opportunity to try and reflect the beauty of Jesus to him. And I just said this, I don't know how people deal with so much hardship without having God in their life. And I looked at him and I said, I've just found so much hope in my relationship with Jesus that when I go through something tough, I keep leaning on him. And then I shut up and just stop talking. He tells me, you know what? A couple of years ago, I gave my life to Jesus and I became a Christian too. And like in that moment, the whole conversation turned. He said, but after I became a Christian, uh, life got really really tough. And I was like, oh, I know where this story's going, right? There's a lot of people that you become a Christian and you think, oh, my life should be better. And all of a sudden it got tougher. As, and you start thinking, is God letting me down? Is God real? Is he really not here for me? And so I tweaked the story to say, well, maybe there's a different thought for you on this. God, knowing who you are, who created you, knowing the path in front of you, what you would go through, God, knowing that something was going to go wrong and you were going to hit a bump, graciously introduced himself to you before that season. So that when you went through that hardship, oh, you could lean on him. Could you imagine going through that season alone and not having hope in Jesus? I think he appreciated that. Listen, All of this took place in a grocery store aisle in five to 10 minutes. But we both walked away encouraged because we were trying to reflect the beauty of Jesus and the gospel and these opportunities that God brought our way, even if it starts with, hey, how old are you? (laughs) We want a godly visual to fill our souls so that as God brings opportunities your way this week, you're going to be ready with God's grace, mercy, hope, and strength. And maybe it's gonna, this image is gonna cement in your head so that when you have these opportunities, maybe the words might come out of your mouth. Could I pray for you? Even in a grocery store aisle. I wanna give you one more visual. Check this out right here. The guy's name that did this is Rob Farrell. Uh, Rob does salt art. You can't be a salt artist and have allergies. Can you imagine him sneezing <laughs> right halfway through this? Rob actually works as a barber in Los Angeles. Uh, when he's not working, he creates pictures using nothing but table salt. The caption around this is from Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled. And listen, this is the exact words that follow that passage. And you are the light of the world. Jesus goes on to say, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. You know what Jesus is saying? Be salty, be light so that other people can see all the good things that you're doing, that you might reflect the beauty of Jesus to me. So let me finish just with three suggestions for you. Here it is. Number one, how can you be the visual? How can you be the visual to people? Number one, as you pray, who comes to mind? As you pray, maybe the thing God is asking you to do is not random. He's already put that person in your life. And what good deed can you do to reflect the grace, mercy, forgiveness, the goodness of God, the generosity of God to somebody else? The second is this. As you pray, ask God to open your eyes for those moments where you can be salt and light. See, light dispels darkness. It pushes back hopelessness. You know what salt did in the ancient world? 
it actually preserved meat and it also added flavor. Bring flavor to the life that is truly life because a lot of people you're going to run into, they're pursuing a life that's dull and meaningless, even though they think it's everything they've ever wanted. Preserving meat. I think that's all about being salt to say, preserve the good things in this world that are all about God. So as you pray, ask God to open your eyes to those moments where you can be salt and light. Third thing, what has God gifted you to do so that you can make a unique, beautiful contribution to his work? Rob, the salt artist, he's good with salt. Maybe he's good with other things as well. I don't know. What's your gift? I'm really hoping I'm not trying to inspire artists in the room. You're like, I'm going to start painting this week. What a train wreck. (laughs) Maybe God is going to unleash an unbelievable, amazing talent you never knew you had. Go for it. Ask your family what they think, okay? They'll be honest with you. Um, I don't think we necessarily need more artists. I think we need people to pick up the strengths and the beauty which, which God has created you. And use the thing that God's given you to go reflect his beauty in our world. Here's how I'd love to end this right now. Um, I just want to pray. Today's message is all about prayer, the simplicity, the raw nature of it, the (laughs) not dressing it up to make it something sound good in front of other people. And I just want you to pray. I wrote this prayer. It reflects some Old Testament verses and some New Testament verses. You'll see it on the screen here. Um, And I don't want to pray this over you. I want you to pray this. I mean, it's a simple prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the actions of my hands and the thoughts of my mind bring you glory today by knowing Jesus more and making him known. So I'm wondering if maybe we can end our time together by you praying this. Put it in your own words. And God might bring something or someone to mind that he might want you to reach, encourage, show mercy to, reflect the beauty of Jesus to. And if he does, just respond to him in prayer. And So I'm just going to leave a little bit of time here at the end before the band closes uh, with a last song. Pray with your eyes open. When does a pastor tell you that? Pray with your eyes open and just let that text wash over you. Maybe you're going to pray those exact words or put it into your own words. But what would it look like for hundreds of people to walk out this door focused on giving God glory so that other people's lives would be changed? People can't stop us. Nobody can stop us from bringing the goodness of God out there. And so have this moment of prayer, reflect on it, and use your own words.